0: go it's you yeah. heard it say that
1: yeah it gives me like a warning
0: yeah that is a trigger warning dude it's gonna get weird today
1: <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> that's all right i can handle
0: oh dude so when uh when i when you said you were down i started getting excited and i started watching like the weekend buzz again and going through them and just like falling in love with them again dude
1: <laughs> yeah i missed
0: uh, I, sorry say it again
1: uh, I miss it.
0: Yeah, maybe that's a good place to start, man. Where did the brainchild come from with, with Weekend Buzz? Um,
1: you can hear me okay, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, it came from, actually, my free lunch <clears throat> interview. Um, for some reason, back in, like, 2010, Jesse Fritch and those guys, they were doing um, – do you remember Shred or Die, the website? Yes, I do. So that was like Tony Hawk's project. I think he was partnered with a professional BMXer. I forget who. And they had... It was a combination of like skater skater YouTube. Like you could upload your own videos and start your own profile. But they also made content. And Free Lunch was like their ma- main show. Yeah. But at some point, and I, and I don't really know why. Because it's not like I was you know some like skate famous dude or whatever like I had my blog and you know I hung out at events and stuff but they asked me to do a free lunch and I guess just the way that free lunch went like with all the things I said it was like people thought it was funny or controversial or whatever so ride when they basically uh Shredder became Ride Channel at some point, like Tony struck a deal with YouTube and uh, they needed to come up with programming. So because of that free lunch, they had asked me, like, do you want to do a show? And I was like, I guess like I was never someone who wanted to be on camera or anything. So I was pretty weird and nervous about it. You know, I didn't view myself as somebody that everyone wanted to like look at and hear from yeah and they wanted me to do it was before skateline existed but they wanted me to do that they were like we we wanted someone to do like a weekend update or a tosh.0 type show oh yeah i was like i was like i get it but i just don't think i'm that dude i don't i know you guys think i'm like a hater or a shit talker or whatever but that's not really my thing like i i like to point out silly funny shit but I'm not here to roast anybody or like hurt anybody's feelings you weren't like
0: you weren't like intentionally trying to be controversial
1: no 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 I'd just be like this is this silly or this is whatever but I don't know I think a lot of people had like the wrong impression of it from my blog or whatever but and also I was just old I was like in my mid-30s I was you know I'm like I don't want to be like what do you want me to do like make fun of Sean Malto when he's like eighteen, you know, like, like that's so weird for like an old older dude to be like roasting little kids, you know? Yeah, dude, that could have been really weird. (laughs) And I just think like, you know, no offense to anybody doing that kind of shit, but I just think that's too easy and it's old. Like that, it gets old quick. Yeah, and like I get it. It's funny. It's how skaters have always been. But for me, like the most just being like critical of skaters and like it's just old it's so easy to just be like oh his pants are whack let's make fun of his pants for a segment or you know what I mean like so I was just like hey uh, I've been doing interviews for magazines for like 10 years I have an idea for a show and they were like really apprehensive at first about another interview show you know so well, cause like free
0: lunch was not really an, in- it was an interview show, but there's no like host. It was just, they popped the questions up. And yeah. They reacted. Right. Was but there also, another one? Sorry.
1: Was there another no, one on the channel? There wasn't, but at the time, this is going back to everybody suddenly being like, no one has an attention span. This is 2011, right? Yeah. So it was before podcasts got long. So they were like, they were apprehensive to do weekend buzz because they knew it would be a longer format and it would just be people talking and they wanted like silly stuff and fucking skateboarding and slams and i totally get it but i was like this is the only thing i can do like if you want me to do a show this is the only thing i think i can pull off and so they agreed to it and it was rough in the beginning because they were like it's too long it's too boring but over time we developed it and it it actually ended up being the longest lasting of the original shows on ride channel,
0: dude, over 200 episodes,
1: except for free lunch, like that stayed as well, but everything else, I'm pretty sure like, and this isn't me throwing shade at anyone, but there was like a birdhouse show. There was like a zero Jamie Thomas show. There were so many different shows over the years and somehow we outlasted, you know? (laughs) And so they let me, they let me go longer. And, You know, I think about it now. I was trying to get long format shows. And when Nine Club came along, it totally proved what I was arguing. (laughs) You know, I don't mean arguing in a bad way. Like, Ride Channel was amazing. But Nine Club proved to me that people did have the attention span. Because that thing blew up. And they were doing really long shows. And I was like, there was a point where we were still doing Weekend Buzz while, while Nine Club was going and I was like look they're doing long shows you guys didn't fucking believe me you know (laughs) but uh yeah that was kind of all how it started and went like it it just was like me rejecting a (laughs) it came from my free lunch and then from me rejecting a Gary Rogers type concept
0: yeah (laughs) and just
1: doing what I know that's all it's like
0: I love that you did that um because I don't I don't think I'd want to see you in the Gary Rogers role for sure. Maybe for yeah, a little bit. <laughs> for sure.
1: And then coincidentally, that Gary Rogers show through Metro Skate Shop, they had their YouTube channel. And that show popped up like a couple months or like a year after we started Weekend Buzz. So then Ride Channel grabbed them and brought them into the channel before he was at Thrasher. Oh, yeah. So they ended up getting they ended up getting their Gary they got the show they wanted and then Gary became Gary. So it's way better that I didn't try to do that show because now there's weekend buzz there was skate line. Like it all worked out, you know?
0: Yeah. I appreciate, I was like rewatching it again. And if there's some editing, but not really like, did you guys go for how long did, how long did an average conversation go for? Cause by the end of it, it was like 20 minutes each
1: episode. Right. Yeah. And we'd do like two or three parts. We, the, the parts thing was one of the things I had to deal with. Just, it was part of the deal with YouTube. Like, so YouTube had ways they wanted things to go, you know, and at the time they thought splitting something into two parts would draw more visitors than, and views than doing one long episode.
0: Yeah.
1: So that was one of the things I had to deal with that was like kind of frustrating, but It wasn't that huge of a sacrifice, but yeah. So we would, we would usually tape anywhere from like 90 minutes to three hours. Whoa.
0: Oh, so then it would be chopped up into multiple parts. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. And, and even just the edits, like if you look within one part, like I'm a big fan of editing, like, I don't want a lot of empty space or like, I like things tight, like cut tight and maybe you don't get the full natural experience like you would with nine club or something, but you can, I just like the faster pace of it, you know, and not having any like extra baggage in there.
0: I liked the 20 I'm... minutes with like someone like a cause like 20, <laughs> although I wanted more at the end, but it was like a dense 20 minutes, you know, you're like just him talking is like a
1: character in itself, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it would be like a slow 20 minutes, you know, like I think of, I forget who was on with like Matt Bennett, but Matt Bennett didn't really talk. Uh, and Brockman didn't really talk when he came on, so it's like you know, again, nothing against those guys, that's just their personalities, but it was like it's sometimes it's excruciating, you know. Or like I remember the McLouns, Trent and Trevor came on. Yeah. But they were young, they didn't have a lot to talk about. It's not like they're the they weren't on plan B and primitive like they are now, you know. Yeah. They were just like little kids had nothing to talk about and it was cool to have them but it's hard to extract a (laughs) you know an entertaining you know it's hard to get an hour and a half two hours out of them that can then be distilled down to a solid 15 minutes you know yeah especially with the age gap
0: I mean I, I have like my friend Jensen on he's like a little younger he's hitting like he's a young adult now but like he's like borderline you know like i can have a conversation with him but then it just turns into me kind of making fun of him (laughs) because he has no life experience so i'm just like yeah really really like just cracking jokes you know yeah
1: well that's different because he's your friend like when when someone like the mcclung's walk in the door and i just met them yeah it's it's really challenging at that point (laughs) to to be like they don't know me they just think I'm some old dude asking weird questions <laughs> like I don't know what they think of me and I don't know a lot about them because they haven't their careers haven't expanded yet you know yeah So that 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 gets challenging you know
0: totally totally um it's hard if someone's not just not naturally talkative to you know like just trying to get them yeah. to open up with with a 20 minute time limit or whatever you know like not having a long time to let them get comfortable and talk it out you know Well, no we need...
1: we would we didn't have a time limit on the interviews we just edited them down
0: oh right? okay yeah that makes more sense then so
1: you know we'd be sitting there for an hour or two hours you know some of them would go shorter because it wasn't as there wasn't as much happening you know
0: i kind of liked have... it about that it seemed like it wasn't script you guys didn't really script it, you just kind of sat down and like this is it dude. Yeah. I mean, I made notes.
1: Yeah. I made notes and did research, but there, no, there was no like plan, you know,
0: was Erica in them all. Was she in the, from the beginning?
1: Yeah. So Erica was sort of my choice from the beginning. i kind of wanted that female energy. I want to do something different. Plus she's so, she's so social, like she's friends with everybody. So I was like, it would really be rad to have her here to have the guests be sort of more relaxed and comfortable. Cause I'm more of an introvert. Like I, I go to video premieres and events and stuff, but I don't run around socializing. And Erica is just like, that's, she's amazing at that. So yeah. having that female energy and having like an attractive woman in the studio and having her friendships like, and then her and I were friends. So I knew it would be like a cool dynamic that was just different, you know? instead of just guys I didn't want it to be like a boys club you know bunch of dicks
0: in the stew bro yeah yeah
1: I mean it yeah I just want it to be different and again I I, it's no secret that I'm a huge Howard Stern fan so I you know I admire that Howard and Robin dynamic because you have the energy of both you know those two genders and just the differences and I just thought it would be cool and it was you know
0: yeah, I appreciated it. And shout out to double fisting Erica. Choo, choo, choo. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. Like <laughs> that doesn't sound good when you say it. Oh my god. So funny, dude. Yeah, I was just like lurking through. Yeah, Erica was always like a social butterfly. I remember like meeting her, I think through John Goman, actually. I think her and John were like besties for a while. And then like, Could be. Yeah. And then I gotta meet Erica through him, possibly, or Billy Marks, one or the other. But yeah. yeah, she was always so cool. Do you know what she's been up to? I haven't talked to her in a long she's time. She's
1: like travel, like for, dude, she's been traveling for, like, I was just DMing her on Instagram because I was like, you should write a book. She's been driving around the country for, I don't know exactly, it seems to me like a year or so. She's basically driving around the country. She has like a vintage clothing business. Like she she thrifts and finds vintage stuff and then like resells it. but along the way she's like meeting like crazy local strangers in all these spots and she's obviously like meeting up like right now she's in jersey i think so i've seen her post like a ton of shit with like brian anderson and you know like i can tell where she is by like who she's posting with you know yeah like oh she must be in like this state or this state you know um but she's been i'm jealous of what she's doing like we're not like super close or anything but we talk every once in a while i'm like man like you just like packed up and are driving everywhere. You should write a book. And she was like, I should be doing, you know, she's like, I've been writing stuff down and journaling, but I should do a better job at that. And so, yeah, I mean, I know she, she does like some freelance stuff. I think like she was at, I don't know, the last time I talked to her about work, I think she was like helping out Volcom or. I don't, I don't know, but that was a while ago, but I think that, she helps. She still helps out at some brands. When that's she cool
0: that she has her own like a uh, little adventure going with the clothes and stuff. That seems really fun I, too.
1: I'm so jealous of just like, I'm I'm never ballsy enough to just pack up and do that. Like I'm always worried about financial stability or like letting down my employers or s- something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm so jealous of, of that ability.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i've been uh lurking on the Musca lately and like he is like a full-on like bought a piece of property he's like like he has to farm and stuff like oh, wow. just talk about like <laughs> picking up and like doing something new like pretty wild dude i like have you, that have you seen that at all have you followed his insta at all
1: i, I don't i mean i'm i'm pr- pretty sure i follow him but you know how the algorithms are now like you won't see someone for like months yeah, yeah yeah it's crazy they they always change the shit <laughs> the other night i was going through like the list of people i follow like cleaning some shit out and i was like dude i haven't seen this person's post in like months and yeah. I, I i click on and they're, they've like posted within the last three days and i'm like oh okay like it's just weird you just don't see it
0: yeah well you should lurk the musket because like i i think what happened was he like stopped working for supra and then he just like kind of found like went on like a spiritual quest dude he, i was like watching for a minute he was just like kind of drifting around and then like he bought some property and he was like i think he had like a video where he's talking to the guy selling the house and the guy's like teaching him about how to run a farm because he's about to buy a farm it was so sick to see musket oh, wow. just like yeah just like a whole new thing like just switched up everything he's doing in life and like just positive attitude and like going for something cool and different and and like it was insane it's insane to see
1: yeah i think it's actually really cool i don't i don't know that everyone gets this opportunity but if you have a career path and you succeed sometimes you burn out sometimes you're just a person who yearns for like more you know yeah but it's really cool to have the opportunity to be like i want to stop everything i'm doing and like switch gears you know yeah. And, and I've been kind of in that phase recently. I, I'll explain more later, but it's there's a documentary um, called Blood Into Wine. It's the lead singer from Tool uh, started a winery and like a wine company. I,
0: I actually knew that. I listened to a podcast yeah. and he was explaining, a, oh, he was very excited about wine for sure. It's
1: a really cool documentary in the sense that it, it depicts exactly what we're talking about. Like this dude has three really successful bands tool being the main one. He's got more money than he knows what to do with. And he left LA and moved to Arizona and like basically built a winery like a long time ago. And it's grown and grown and grown. And now he has restaurants, he has farms, he has, and it, the documentary is not about him being like a rock star or anything. It's more about him discovering in his forties that he wants to do something different. And like, it's just inspirational in the sense that I don't know that a lot of people think they can just stop what they're doing and start a whole new career path. I think people just, they think they want security and stability. So they stay in the one zone their whole life, you know? Yeah. And there's something really cool about, um stopping what you're doing and then doing something totally different, you know.
0: Yeah. And it helps it helps if you're successful in like a certain domain first and you get that under your belt.
1: Obviously you have the name and the capital to uh help launch it and and the financial stability. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I, I totally get cool. that man. Like it being scary to like just switch it up, you know. Well
1: it's- you switched out of pro to you know what I mean? To, to like working for brands and like owning a brand, you know?
0: Yeah. I was fortunate because I was like, kind of like gravitating towards like being independent my whole life, just trying to figure out how to do everything. And like, I always like was drawn in by the business side of things when, even when I was riding for the companies, I was like, Whoa, this is, I always admired like the people behind the scenes, like the pros are sick. I fan out obviously in the skating and stuff, but I always liked like the filmers the photographers the team managers like all the people working in there and like I was like kicked it with them you know and that like kind of set me up so when the pro thing was over because i was never really good at the pro thing anyway it's like I could skate good but like I wasn't like the dude who I wasn't like the coolest dude ever you know like, it, wasn't it wasn't gonna the... be
1: your like it wasn't gonna be your your yeah. like long-term thing
0: yeah like there's only so many dudes that get that too it's like cab you know like there's only so many dudes yeah. that like cement a role and have a thing and it just keeps carrying tony hawk and like and uh, to be honest like i'm like you i kind of like am naturally introverted because i like that's just how i grew up you know and uh so i wasn't always like i need to be the star of the show i always wanted to like work for it and be part of the team on in in the in the on the skate team i didn't want to be the stars per se but i wanted to be part of the team you know yeah <clears throat> Yeah. Um, uh, funny, weird side note. I was like watching the, the daily, uh, the weekend buzz too. And then I was like wondering if, uh, Giovanni if uh, retta's favorite food is still pussy
1: <laughs> said that?
0: dude he did on the, one of the episodes i was like <laughs> listening to he just came out of the blue with that one dude
1: <laughs> oh my god that's <laughs> amazing be.
0: it's gotta be but if anyone could switch it's him i feel like he could you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow yeah wow. you know there's i i remember little things here and there but I, people come at me with details all the time like people will come into my dms and be like they'll throw out a quote or they'll just say something yeah and i'm like what what are you talking about and they'll be like oh that was from that episode with this and i was like fuck like i've i used to have a better memory or i just don't know if it was like so much concentrated like work and interviews and conversations that i just forgot but you know, I remember I'll, I could be like, yeah, the Grasso episode was amazing. Or I had the best time during the Ashad episode. Like I remember things like that, Yeah. but I don't always remember those like quote, you know, I remember Jonas Ray, like spitting beer all over me, but I don't remember like quotes like that. It's so weird. Cause I wish I did, <laughs> but people come at me with those things all the time, like funny quotes. And I'm like, I said that, or that guy said that. And you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I was, was,
0: uh, yeah, he nailed it. He nailed it. He was pushing the boundaries then. That was good. (laughs) It was also something too. I was noticing. I was like, Oh, in that same episode, it was uh, talking about weed. It was less like nowadays. I feel like weeds, nothing like it's not even, but then like Huff was on the show and you guys were just Mm -hmm. talking about smoking weed and whether he did or not. And he was, And the weed sucks. Yeah. Yeah. He was comfortable. You could tell it wasn't like as comfortable. Like weed's not even a thing anymore. Like talking about weed, I don't feel like is a thing at all. Like it's not.
1: Yeah. I think he was being professional. Like he was being the owner of Huff, you know, in that, in that moment, you know, instead of just going like, yeah, I love sativa, you know, like he wasn't just diving into it, but you can tell he he was a big fan of weed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He is very, uh, professional first. the japanese
1: maple leaf that's what, that's he called what it, it. Was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on the on the socks too it was um over 200 episodes right it's a lot of episodes
1: yeah i think it was along the lines of like 130 oh really for but, some reason i thought it was more but, that but was i more. mean if you if you add up the amount of guests it was like close to 275 guests because sometimes we had two or three people whoa that's you know, heavy yeah, it was it was a lot. It was five years with a couple breaks in between. Five and a half years with like a little breaks here and there. Did you ever get burnt yeah. out on it, or was it you did it spaced it out enough that it worked? Not burnt out on the show overall, but there would just be like sometimes, you know, you inevitably have conflicts or creative differences, and sometimes you just be like, "Fuck!" Like, I just need the I'm I'm over it for the week, you know? Like, I just want a week off or Like for the first couple of years, we did it every week, no matter what. And then it got to the point where it was like, okay, like the editor is turning these things around in like four days. It's insane. Like, so sometimes we would like take a week off or sometimes we even took like a month off to like regroup and get more guests lined up and tape more shows. You know, sometimes we do two or three in one day. Yeah. we tape them like, but overall burnt out. no, I think our big thing was i think it ended mainly because i would say it ended just because we were all kind of like it's not like we were making a living off that show you know what i mean and and ride channel was changing and it was like we were all you know focusing on like erica's focusing on her regular job and me focusing on other projects and it's it was we had interviewed so many people that it was getting harder to get guests and we were just like, maybe we should call it before it gets like too boring, like for us or, you know, or the audience. And we were kind of all just okay, like calling it, you know, it, there was no like major, <coughs> major like ending or, or catastrophic reason for it ending. Like, no
0: cancellation. God damn uh, it. <laughs> we were just,
1: we were just kind of like, uh, I think we've done enough. Like all of us i think we loved it but yeah i mean you get to those points where you're frustrated but i don't think i personally didn't burn out like i that was some of the most fun stuff i've ever done like you know so yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean watching it you can pick up on the the fun of it all man like just watching this i i watched a shit to shitload of them back in the day but then i like started rewatching more because i knew we were going to catch up again and i was just like wanting to go back in and (laughs) <laughs> and I was just like looking at all the names and then I'm like watching how you guys did it. And you guys just did it where it was uh, really awesome. It was kind of confused. Like I don't know how you guys manage multiple guests sometimes. Cause that's like kind of hard, but you guys did a good balance between you and Erica bouncing back and forth and giving people space to talk and like let them be themselves. And like, it was a good dynamic, man.
1: Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I- we didn't really like rehearse or have a strategy. It was literally like, hey, Erica, here's the notes, like all the way back to when she started. I would like I would make notes. I would give her notes because I know she's not skate nerding the way I am.
0: Yeah.
1: And then she would have notes or personal stories from like a time she hung out with people and add those in and we would just sort of silently communicate like I was kind of driving the ship, but then I would just sit back and like look over to her and let her do something, you know. And there was no master plan. It was honestly just like, let's sit there and see how it goes. You know,
0: I appreciate that. And it's it felt like a podcast. Did you guys consider it a podcast? People,
1: you know what's so weird is, I I guess like, to me the term podcast is just another word for like radio. You know, like everyone I I've heard people and seen people say like Weekend Bud wasn't a podcast, or and I'm like. Well, I don't really know what it was. It's a talk show. It's a podcast. It's a, I, I, I don't know. Like, what well, we, what, what defines a podcast? You know what I mean? So to me, it's
0: like just having like um, the people that host it, create the show and, and it be free and not scripted too much and just like conversational. And yeah. like you, you guys were the show, you know, like you brought yeah. the people in. And it was just a a blend of like your friends and personalities, yeah. and then whereas like a there's a lot of shows out there that are just kind of like they have a script and a format, and like okay. it just didn't feel like it was sponsored by like you weren't censored or anything. It se- seemed like it was oh. pretty relaxed and just in true skateboard fashion, you know?
1: Yeah, I guess like I don't know, I podcasts weren't as huge as and common as they are now back in 2012 you know yeah i always just called it a talk show i've seen people like argue whether weekend buzz was like a podcast or not and i'm like well whatever (laughs) like it to me that's just that it just has to do with the way it's like delivered but um
0: but that's kind of early on dude like there wasn't a little i don't think like you were saying that i might have had the first podcast and i was like I think I might have, but maybe not. Yeah, like it was around the same time, you know, in kind of the same format. Mine might have been a little longer, but it was kind of just like, like I, it. <laughs>
1: I felt like I saw the Shetler show popping up before we did Weekend Buzz, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing I can think of was remember those Skate Talk dudes? Yeah. They did it on Ustream like way before and they would just like be drunk in their apartment and stream and it was like the worst quality it wouldn't work and (laughs) you
0: know that's a podcast
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that was the only other thing I could think of besides yours because I was just doing another interview the other the other day and I mean it's cool that people think we were the first but I don't want to sit there and claim we were definitely the first I think we were the ones that lock that format in, yeah. you know, like we were there for five years. We, it's like, okay, here's this like round table format where everyone's loose and, you know, but you know, we definitely weren't the first, but, but it seems to be the sort of go-to format now, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, Which is it's
1: fine. There's nothing wrong with it.
0: <laughs> well, it's cool. Cause like, it's like radio. So you want a lot of channels and personalities and flavors. So, but the problem is like, a lot of fucking epic people aren't computer savvy and can't like rig it up for themselves. And they feel like they need yeah. someone to do it. Like that's I Ricky O has come on my podcast twice now. And uh-huh. like, he's meant for a podcast, but I don't think he's like, I think he's working on one with him and his lady. Just imagine that that's going to be awesome.
1: Ricky Ayola?
0: Yeah. And his lady, I think they're <laughs> brainstorming a podcast right now, which gets me so psyched to think about like a skateboarding one. Not really just like a, whatever they like. Wow. like whatever they're into they're gonna like balance each other out hopefully and do wow. a show. yeah but like he's one of those dudes that it's like i think he's using my podcast as a way to like practice and like <laughs> i was like dude i wish i lived closer i would just like set it up for you so you could do it because he's someone that can talk and like it's just like it, character you know like imagine if uh fred yeah, Gall I mean- could have a podcast and do it you know what I mean the story yeah, he
1: could also go off the rails Ricky, <laughs> yeah. Ricky has the temper. well he used to I don't know now but yeah there's plenty of stuff
0: yeah he he um my first podcast with Ricky was crazy because it was under the guise of like um Clyde Singleton kind of calling him out on some bullshit from back in the day and it was uh, just like that's why Ricky reached out to me he's like dude I want to come on your pod and like just have my say and then so that was that so it wasn't quite the podcast I wanted to have with him because we had to address the whole Clyde and him beef. But then he just came on the other day and it was like the podcast I wanted to have to him, yeah. with him where it was just like, like this, like we were just talking about whatever came to mind and like, he's really good, man. I was like, he, he's getting better. He's getting better for his podcast, you know, like that's cool. Yeah. It was really, really good, man. There's a lot of dudes like that though, though. I'm like, I wish they understood it. It's not that hard to do it. Cause there's some people that really would like to do it you know
1: i think there needs to be well i mean when we're talking podcasts are we talking doing interviews or doing like just Just, talking just because you were saying like a talk show
0: but just a internet show a way like there's a lot of personalities and characters that like if they could create their own show i don't even care if it's audio and just conversations or if they did it like i don't know there's just like a lot that can be done basically and i think of like the the amount of characters in skateboarding, you know, I guess that's why it's good that like you did the, like watching the weekend buzz got me so juiced. Cause I'm like, there's a infinite ma- amount of awesome people out there, especially in skateboarding. You there, know?
1: there is, there definitely is. It's like hundreds and hundreds of people you can talk to. And it doesn't always have to be. I think the difference now with some of these podcasts or like even the independent websites that popped up over the years, like a Gencom or something you don't have to limit it to pro skaters either, which is what the media used to be like, right? Yeah. I would never have an interview in the Skateboard Mag or Transworld or Thrasher, you know, or even like a team manager or a filmer, you know? And so now when you have the freedom to go outside of those boundaries of like what a traditional skate magazine used to be, or even epically later, it was kind of like a long form... Documentary about one, you know, like a a documentary about one skater, right? But it was a series. Once you get outside that barrier, you can interview whoever you want or talk to whoever you want. And with Weekend Buzz, it was like, well, there's some team managers that are super funny, or there's some filmers that are super funny. You know what I mean? So we would have we we had no rules as to who was being who would who could come on the show. You know? Yeah. And I like that that was probably i don't know that might have been i've never thought of it until right now but that might have been something we did differently than prior to that was have like lanny rhodes or mike sinclair or you know uh behind the chad foreman like behind the scenes people yeah dude all those guys are awesome chad Chad. yeah we had a, a ton of people like that you know who you know? Someone like retta was like an obvious celebrity from the barracks, but we had a lot of people who were just industry people, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: so. I guess it's not the podcasting is not for everyone, but like I just think of all the characters, and I'm just like, it'd be cool to check in with them, you know? Like some people you just lose; they just they don't adapt with the technology, or they don't care to, and you just like. Don't ever hear from them again. No more magazines. No more video parts. It's yeah, like
1: you're just like gone. But I think thanks to again things like podcasts or Gencom or whatever, they've and a lot of other independent sites like Muckmouth. Yeah, you know, like people are going digging. Like they're they're like, oh, let me interview Josh Swindell or let me interview Frankie Hill or let me interview uh, who's the dude, Danny Gonzalez. You know, Ooh. like. Like we've seen all those people come like back from nowhere to do these interviews, you know? Yeah. Krishan, like, and I think that's cool. Cause that wouldn't happen in, in traditional media. And I think our podcasts and and things like Gencom have actually forced the, the other media to evolve, you know? Yeah. And, and, and to realize there's value in more than just, covering the same like the 10 major pros every month or you know the hot up-and-coming dudes there's there's more content out there you know and more interesting stories you know
0: yeah and you can never like you got to talk to people multiple times and shit just comes up and you like forget stuff and it's never enough time either like i'll talk to someone i talked to ricky for all right so ricky did it a podcast with me before we even hit record just because ricky can talk you know
1: yeah yeah i've had that happen a bunch
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> and then how about the worst is like have you ever had like issues with like the episode getting fucked up like technical issues like not recording yeah. or the audio sucked or that's a nice yeah
1: one. i think if you watch the jaws episode there was Sometimes it would just be like one camera angle because we had three cameras running at all times. So luckily with Weekend Buzz, which is really the only show I've done, but every once in a while it would happen at like a critical moment, you know? So there'll be like an angle that's like all grainy, you know, and <laughs> or there'd be an angle where... Um, audio is fucked up so like maybe someone's mic didn't pick up the the sound but the mic we had a mic above too like an like an emergency so the audio would suddenly I think people used to complain about the audio a lot on our show in the beginning that took the longest to dial in yeah because I talked softly at the time so they had to mic me differently than Erica and then the guests are drinking and then the way the room was it had a really tall ceiling so i think our audio was shit for a long time i remember seeing comments about our audio and even people in the industry would be like dude the audio sucks and i'm like (laughs) hey like i'm just there to do the interviews like but yeah we you know i think the biggest thing for me would be sometimes we would disagree about stuff that needed to come out of the show or stay in the show like what what's some examples of something i don't know like I You know, I can't even think of, like, examples, but it would just be, like, that story was really good. And then they would be, like, I don't know. That might kind of cross the lines of, like, being explicit. And I'd be, like, dude, like, it's so fucking, you know what I mean? Things like that. That's, um,
0: that's, so that's what I think. I don't so. have
1: specific examples right now, you know, but.
0: No, but th- to me, that is the separation between, like, a podcast and then a show. is like, a yeah. show
1: is, like, there's
0: people, telling you with a podcast it's like it's your own creation and you can
1: decide where the line is you know but sometimes i like having those checks and balances sometimes because not everybody is their best version of a creator when they just run wild and free people need to be reeled in you know yeah it's like that's why producers are so important on like albums and films you know Or even like maybe your filmer or your TM, you'll be doing some trick that's like kind of corny or something or wasting your time. And they're like, yo, that's not going (laughs) in your part. You know what I'm saying? I've had that happen, dude. (laughs) Exactly. So, And I've had it happen with editors where I think something's good and they're like, we're cutting that page. And I'm like, I understand it now. Like you, most everyone needs someone reeling them in to make them a better version of themselves. Because if you just run wild and free, you're just going to go forever and and maybe water down your what you're trying to create or kook it or, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I liked having those checks and balances of somebody else being like, no, this part's not so good or we can leave that out. And I appreciate it more now. I was a different person back then. I was a little like maybe angrier or harsher, but I also as someone who's like become more of a director level at these companies I work at and stuff, like, I, I just understand now, um, you know, sort of managing situations where people maybe aren't, aren't as experienced or, you know, cutting things out to make them better. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of editing and producing Um, Um, as as much as I am about creating the content.
0: Yeah. I kind of, I agree with, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like in the beginning I'm, I'm thankful I didn't have an editor in the beginning, but I definitely like when I first started my podcast, I definitely said stupid shit and made an ass myself like it's just exp- exploration, you know, if I had an editor, it'd probably save me some embarrassing stuff. But I guess if you stick with anything long enough, you get better and you like edit, you start to edit yourself and figure out what works for you, you know, not edit yourself, but you start to like craft your, your conversational totally. you know,
1: make mistakes. Like you can't not make mistakes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's cool to learn from others mistakes before you make them, but inevitably you're going to also make your own, you know?
0: yeah and that's kind of what a podcast symbolized to me was it was just like hey this is i just realized i had like the ability to like create a show and try to figure out how to have conversations and express myself better and that and then that's something that i could do independently which like was helped me out a lot you know so and everyone could do that if they not everyone everyone doesn't have to but anyone who has like an interest in that or creating a show it's like you could do that nowadays it's crazy the technology you know yeah so all right let's switch gears because that was we we covered that one but um <laughs> what's been up lately man what have you been up to where are you at too
1: i'm in laguna beach yeah man um, i love it here it's the
0: best where's laguna beach in like relation to like a it's city? in orange county
1: so okay okay if you've ever been to like san clemente or huntington beach it's kind of like in between the two it's, it's right in between LA and San Diego. Like it's an hour each way. Right. That's a good spot then. Mm-hmm. Totally. Cause I can, you know, especially when I moved here, you know, 2004 or whatever, there was a lot more going on in San Diego. Now it's like a lot of, most everything's in kind of LA. But, but 10, 15, 20 years ago, San Diego, Orange County were like huge with skateboarding, you know? Yeah. And a, a lot of the industries here and what or was here so um but yeah i love laguna beach it's like um it's kind of like a little vacation village it's beautiful it's perfect weather everything yeah um, that sounds awesome. but yeah so it's it's interesting like kind of after weekend buzz i was mentioning before i've always had full-time jobs like you know i worked at soltech for eight years and then i worked at element for like seven or eight months and then what did you do at soltech? soltech so i was i was basically like the web digital social media guy but that started in 2005 before that was really a thing you know yeah so i was at edney's like doing the blog and doing the email newsletters and then that evolved into social media and then over time i was you know doing a little e-commerce and then I was working for S and then I worked for America and Altamont. I worked for all the brands. And and then I went to do the same thing for element for a little bit. And then, then I helped Heath and, um, P-Rod launch primitive skateboards. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked with them for like a year and a half, like launching all their e-commerce and digital. And then, um, now I, I'm the director of marketing and sales for USA Skateboarding, which is Team USA. Yeah. And, and I'm working on, you know, I'm basically running like the main thing I do is run like the merch program and, you know, a lot of marketing and digital stuff. I have a guy who does social media for me, so I'm not sitting on Instagram all day like posting, you know. Yeah. But I'm working on a film with Ty Evans. Um, we're finishing up the Nija documentary right now. Wow. Tell me,
0: is there a title?
1: No, there's, (laughs) it's not my project. So I can't say a lot. I don't want to like bum anybody out. Okay. Okay. But it's (laughs) fucking amazing. Like just obviously we all know about Nigel's family and his past, but this is such a deep dive into it. It's like insane. Um, And with Ty doing it, of course. So, Um, and then I'm working on two other little film projects. I'm helping the, you know mikey from illegal Civ, he did the north hollywood film like earlier this year well um,
0: i don't know if i know that film though Was it just oh the- it was like a movie
1: movie um it was on like apple tv plus and it was in theaters oh right, right but mikey alfred who owns illegal Civ, like he makes movies you know he, he kind of his family was like kind of in hollywood and um he's working on another film and i'm like helping a little bit with the script there and And then I got another project possibly with Ty coming up. Um, So yeah, I've had, we were talking about career shifts earlier. I went from like being the writer guy to, you know, now I'm working in some film and I'm director of marketing and um, I'm going to start a book soon too. I hope Uh, that's sick. I have an agent friend who's I pitched, I didn't really pitch it to, I was like asking him, I'm like, what's, I think I have a book idea and he liked it and he's like bugging me to f- start it or finish it or both. So <laughs> I would really like to um, sort of shift my focus and be able to start sitting down and putting time into that. So I'm up to a lot. I sold the candle business um, that I started. I, I did. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, Cause I <laughs> my-
0: my stop podcast studio smells like straight weed and
1: beer. <laughs> is that the cannabis one? Uh, no, this is uh oh. uh It'll say on the bottom, be careful. Don't, don't spill the wax though.
0: No, I know. Um I, I can't read it. I'm too i I'm t- I had
1: too much beer right now. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> um yeah, so I started that brand, it was successful, and I sold it in June.
0: That's awesome, dude.
1: Which was rad because I was profitable. I could have just stopped, but I wanted to sort of like see if it could carry on, you know. Did you spill wax on yourself?
0: Yeah, a little. <laughs>
1: I told you not to and you did it anyway.
0: It's not that bad.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: it smells so good though. I'm kinda of happy about it.
1: It's soy wax. It's okay for your skin. And oh, it'll dude. come out of your it'll come out of your clothes too.
0: And and truthfully, I'm starting to cramp up in my in my hip right now. Oh God, it's because I went skating earlier. Oh God, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to get over this. Oh, okay. It looks
1: so wrong. Cause all <laughs> I see is on the waist up. <laughs> um,
0: Yo, that's awesome, dude. That's so cool that you created something. And we're able to sell it. Like, um, yeah, that's it, right. It,
1: like Was I said, that the it, first
0: time you ever did something like that.
1: Yeah. Like, like started my own 100% thing and then sold it off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like a brainchild. You know. And then other, than,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than like, it doesn't even count, but I like bought a condo in Jersey and rented it out for 15 years and sold that too. But you know,
0: that, that kind of counts. It's a different, a different thing. Of, yeah.
1: Different kind of whatever entrepreneurialism or whatever, but yeah, no, it was a really cool experience. Um, but, and there was nothing wrong or bad other than that I just didn't have the time to focus on the problem with the hundredth acre was it needed to grow. It was growing and I couldn't handle it alone. And then I had all these other opportunities like Ty wants me to work with them. And uh, my best friend, Josh Friedberg offers me this job with USA skateboarding and I've got all these things that i wanted to do. Like I've always wanted to like transition into film, you know, like bring writing to film, you know, and the opportunity to work for team USA is obviously to me, a no brainer. I know some people think it's corny, but dude, if I can be part of something new and that huge and, Go to the olympics i'm going to do it so i had to offload the hundredth acre just to be able to function at, at, at these other jobs you know and then i recently helped nija and his mom launch a disorder and um the same way i helped with primitive like just getting their e-commerce off the ground and you know i worked with them for like eight or ten months on that and then wow. t- now they're doing it now the training wheels are off they got it on their own So, yeah, I, I like, do all these cool little things here and there, but, you know, um, always maintain, like, a full-time job just to be safe.
0: Yeah, that's good, man, because that just gives you – it's sometimes you can drift off if you don't have that, like, full-time job or just, like, working for other people a little bit. Maybe not full-time, but just – serving other people or working for them and like you can just drift off and like get lost you know it helps i always always keep like working for other people i have like multiple jobs and like i could i could like work for myself full time but there's like other people you can help and be a part of and like it helps keeps me grounded you know yeah that's cool it's a balancing act though because i'm like sometimes taking off more time with this or putting more time into that or you're you're like it backfires because you want to be working on this but you've already committed to that and you're like oh you know
1: yeah no sometimes i'll get like a like a to-do list traffic jam you know it's like i need to do this you know like and it seems like all the big stuff will happen all at once like oh you gotta upload a whole season of new product to the website but then i gotta do this article or work on this like Sometimes I get those like jam ups where I'm like, fuck, like, how am I going to do all this? You know? And, but yeah, it's, it's good. I I wouldn't have it any other way. I need, I like the stability of a full-time job. I've never had the balls to just say, fuck it. And I really admire people who can be like, fuck it. I'm going to just move to California and try to be a pro skater and then go balls to the wall or like be a musician and they're yeah. broke and they're sleeping on couches, but then they make it work. Um, and then they bec- they do it. They do the thing, you know. But Sometimes I've never that's the had false. Yeah, no. And I believe the idea that it's like you have you, you have everything to lose might make you work harder. You know, like I've got nothing. I have to make this career as a musician happen. I have to make this career as a pro skateboarder happen. Like. I never took that much of a leap where, you know, maybe if I had, I would have a bunch of novels out by now or something, but I always played it a little more cautiously just because, you know, the odds of the odds of it actually working are pretty slim, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 That was kind of where I started in skateboarding. It was kind of just like all
1: or nothing. So I totally get that dude. And we're seeing a lot of pro skaters now figuring out careers or having like, you know what I mean? Some of them are going into real estate. Like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but they've devoted their whole life to skateboarding. A lot of them didn't go to, you know, didn't finish high school, didn't go to college. You know, the only thing they know is being a pro skater. And if they don't transition into like a TM or working in the industry, they have to like start over, you know? And so you're seeing a lot of them now are, are finally popping up as like realtors or having like other careers, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you which gotta is expand, cool. You
0: got to expand yourself if you want to like continue to be successful at anything, you know, like, yeah. like you said, if you do something for so long and it's the only role you ever play, you're just like, it's sometimes you just have to switch things up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. There's a lot of people that have a hard time doing that. They turn towards drug and drugs and alcohol or just like you see someone and they just haven't updated and they're still stuck on the same role that they were you know yeah like the high school football like the al bundy he's just stuck on like being a champion and poke high high, you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean there are those people that they're just sitting on a couch and they peaked in high school and they're miserable you know and they don't think they can do any more than they they did you know
0: yeah for me i was kind of like that when i started skating i was just like this is all i want to do so it's all or nothing and i just was like i'm gonna be a pro skateboarder no matter what Travel across the country meet who i gotta do skate whatever i gotta skate to, to make it happen and then it just like got to the point where it was like okay i've like grinded the biggest rails i can grind i've been in all the magazines that i was like really fortunate and had video parts got the boards got the shoes." And then it just got to the point where it was like, what do I do now? Like, either I have to expand myself and learn new skills and figure shit out, or I'm going to be the guy who used to be pro and, like, still wants to, still chasing that fucking thing, you know?
1: Hey, get over here.
0: What's your cats? You got cats?
1: Yeah, that's my dog. Hold on. I'll oh, grab dogs.
0: <laughs> Your dog's causing a ruckus, bro. Making like an
1: appearance. Right. Yeah,
0: bring him in. I got two dogs. Come here. What kind of dog is this? Hold up. Get over here. Where are you going? <laughs> oh, I like your your apartment here, your house there. It looks awesome. Thanks. <laughs> oh, dude, a friend is a little bulldog or French bulldog. Who's French that? bulldog. You are so cute. What's his name?
1: Her name's Bardo.
0: Bardo, you are a beautiful princess, Bardot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you hear that? You hear your friend?
0: Oh, dude, I have, um, she's not a French bulldog, but she's like, uh, looks like that a little bit. My Emma, she's a beautiful dog.
1: I love her. Do you have any cats or just dogs? No. My family had cats, though, when I was back in Jersey. Oh, word. But what I was going to say, so I watched that happen, like, so, so the skaters in my area in Jersey growing up, like, I watched that happen with Tim O'Connor, Poncho, and even like, not, they weren't like my closest friends, but they were around like the Cardona's and Bobby Puglio and stuff like that. Like I saw firsthand those guys go from like regular skaters to pro skaters. And I was like, I do not have what they have. <laughs> and that's why I stayed in school. You know, I was really honest with myself because I had some sponsors and like compete in local contests, like I was okay. I was. I was maybe better than average or something but i knew that i didn't look that good on a skateboard like i could do tricks but i didn't have like a sick style i was really honest with myself and i was like dude just stay in school like the levels that quim and tim and bobby were getting to i was watching i was just like dude i can't do this you know yeah yeah you know tim would come back from california like go to california for like two months and come back and know so many more tricks and you know, I was just sitting at the Hoboken Ledges doing my same shit over and over, and I'm like, I'm never gonna be a pro skater. Like, stay in school. So, and the crazy thing about Tim is like,
0: he could do a basic trick, but he has such good style. You know what I mean? So it's like hard to like be like, I can do that ollie like him, you know? Because yeah. it's really hard. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I just saw those were all guys that they literally like. You know, they were dropping out of high school and like fully committing like we were talking about yeah and i just didn't have the balls to do it and i was also honest with myself like i'm not that good like it would be a bad choice for me to not go to college to try to be a pro skater you know yeah and if, I, made,
0: I made the right choice
1: thankfully you know what?
0: yeah if you're gonna do that you gotta like really gotta be like fuck it you gotta really want to do it you gotta be like this is what i'm doing otherwise not going to happen because there's other people that want that so bad you know and they'll yeah. do whatever it takes to get it you know yeah it's just crazy it's weird so, yeah. it's, it's weird nowadays because like the industry's changed so much that like i don't know if people really know what a like the standard of a pro is anymore you know skateboarding i don't
1: know well yeah i think it's gone from you have to be the best to this more diverse like there's room for everybody as long as you bring something you know yeah and i think it's i think it's cool like i'm not mad about it like it's almost like it's like an expanded version of like remember how you would have like you'd have like your handrail guy or then you'd have like a Dennis Busnitz or somebody or like Daywan who's like super tech you have all these different varieties of skaters they don't have to all do everything right So now I think it's expanded into, you know, this diversity that's beyond just what kind of terrain you skate or, or what kind, you know, are you Hesh? Are you tech? Are you transition? Right. That's what it used to be. Right. Now. I think it's like, are you like awesome at skating, but also bringing this like colorful personality or this like cool representation of the, uh, lgbtq community or you know I, I i just think it's awesome like are you a role model for other uh women or girls that might be coming up skating like i think there's more to being a pro skater now than just being good you know
0: yeah yeah i like that too i think too because you can we have the technology now where it's not like a brand you can build up a following and you can build up your mission and you can get other people involved and you can kind of like build something that people prop you up and you don't have to be the best or the, you don't have to grind the biggest rails. There's value in other things. Yeah. I
1: well, it's like, there's brands coming out of communities almost, you know, like, like Leo Baker's brand or, you know, the skatism magazine, or, you know, there's, I, I don't know them all, but there's like a lot of like LGBTQ focused, like Instagram accounts that sort of like spawn into brands and female, you know what I mean? and like women's stuff and i think it's cool i think it's i mean it's how some skate brands started back in the day just like a crew of friends you know yeah it are. wasn't like it wasn't like they were all necessarily the best skaters or something it's just i mean i'm sure new york started that way or something you know what i mean like definitely just, cr- just a crew or like a vibe or an idea you know an yeah. aesthetic and i i just think we're seeing more of that now uh brands that are representative of like lifestyles or personalities you know not just like you know skulls or cool graphics or whatever you know
0: yeah, fucking yeah. hash <laughs> there was yeah. a there was a moment where it was just like you had to be the best <laughs> ever you know <laughs> Some of my favorite skaters weren't, weren't necessarily the best. They just had like a different angle or like a personality that complemented their skating and that made them the best, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, look at like, you know, look at like the tilt mode videos, you know, that's like a good example, you know, that's like a crew of friends who had some amazing skaters and some like regularly good skaters and some homies, you know, but we love that. And we love that crew and like, enjoy came out of that, which was like amazing, you know? Yeah. But that wasn't all based on just like amazing skaters, you know? Yeah. It was, it was definitely,
0: it it was like personality driven to some
1: degree for sure. Well, and it's the dynamic of that crew. They just embodied skateboarding at the time. Like it was fun. It was silly. You, You know what I mean? It was good skateboarding. Like, you know, so that's, I think there's more to it than just being like a hammer company where every pro is like the best and, you know, like the original plan B or something like that was like, everyone was like shockingly good. It was strictly business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's intense, dude. So <laughs> now there's like lifestyle and personality and, and, you know, built into the brands and the concepts, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Like, it
0: could- I agree. I agree. Because sometimes it's not the gnarliest person that keeps the fire going. Sometimes that gnarly person just burns out or annoys everyone. <laughs> you ever had that dude in the session? He's super good, but like doesn't talk to anyone. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I don't know about him, but there's someone yeah. over there that's like trying to figure out a curb trick, but they're awesome to hang out with, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's where you gravitate and have the funnest times is like, you just end up playing like a, you know, an improv game of skate in the parking lot or you find some stupid fucking planter to skate on and, or sometimes you're not even skating. Like after the session, you're just sitting there drinking big gulps and like throwing rocks across the parking lot or, you know, it's like <laughs> three in the morning, you know, like the funnest times I had were like sitting somewhere like three in the morning after skating all day and just like sitting on a curb outside of 7-Eleven and like bullshitting with my friends, you know? Hell yeah. Like that was my best memories are doing stuff like that. Uh, Of course, I don't remember, like, I don't remember all the tricks I've done. I mean, I don't remember every single night at the same spot for years straight, you know, skating behind some mall, you know, but, but I remember like sitting there laughing and like, you know, throwing a drink at my friend's head or, someone doing something to me you know what i mean or like having some crazy dude walk by and try to fight us you know like i remember all that non-skating stuff you know yeah and that, that comes from just being out there riding skateboards
0: yeah that kind of makes me just think of the 90s when it was just like it was like six skating but it was like Heavy style and like lifestyle, hanging out and all the city stuff and vibes. And like, it wasn't just hammers, it was like a whole thing, you know? Yeah, it's crazy nowadays, Rob. I'm like, uh, the old person at the skate park, it's insane. I'm 38 now, I'll be 39 in November, yeah. And like, my favorite person to skate with right now is a 13 year old girl that I like used to teach. I still kind of teach lessons to her once Uh in a while, but like. I skate with her more than anyone. So fun to skate to, but I'm just like an old dude now, you know, like at the park, just, I'm like a Clint Eastwood character out there,
1: dude. I mean, I'm 46 now. So it's like, it's weird. I'm so self-conscious skating is very self-conscious for me now. Like showing up at a park with all these kids and like, even if they're not good, like, like, let's say I'm technically better than some kid. I'm still this like old weird guy. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, like even if I can tray flip and they can't, I'm still, I just feel so out of place and so weird. Like it's weird. Maybe it's me. I, I I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to like feel like I fit in skateboarding now, you know, like it's weird to ride down the street in Laguna on my skateboard and be like, okay, am I this like weird old guy? <laughs> like are people looking at me like I'm crazy, you know? Oh, I have that moments like here and there. It's weird Not that I'm that self-conscious about it like yeah. but I do wonder sometimes I'm like oh th- there's like a, a mid 40s guy skating down the street <laughs> like <laughs> with a bag of whole foods groceries in his hand you know
0: <laughs> That's good dude good for you I'm happy yeah. <laughs> We need you we need you uh, Yeah I know that feeling though you're just like sometimes I go to the park like on like a weekday and like, I'm like, no one's there. And I just like want to have a session, but I'm by myself. And I'm like, I'm just the old guy at the park. No one's here, but I'm like still like trying to have a session. Like, is that sad or is that a good thing? And it's always a good thing, but I had never thought.
1: <laughs> I never skated alone. I was never into that. Even when I was younger, like as much as I loved skating and lived and breathed it, I just always wanted it's actually probably one of the only times in my life because I'm very introverted and, you know, dealing with this new autism diagnosis and stuff. I realized, like, most of my life I like being alone and I thrive when I'm alone, but I hated skating alone. And people would always, like, talk to me like, oh, I just went to the spot because nobody was around and I skated. And I'm like, I I would get somewhere alone and I would just feel it would feel so different. Yeah i'm i really admire people who can skate alone and have fun i could never do it i don't know why i mean i I, I did do it it's not that i never did it but i didn't enjoy it It it's hard for me to make myself go skate alone i i teach skateboard lessons on the
0: weekend just because like it helps me just meeting Mm. people and like kids are awesome and like i can help them because i know how to like teach them a foundation so they don't get hurt and they can push and become autonomous. But like, I find kids like that, that are like, that are like you were. And I'm like, they need skating the most because otherwise it's going to make them meet people and it's going to bring them out of their shell and hopefully like help them develop these like social skills. And it does like a lot of those kids. That's what I tell the parents is I'm like, yeah, skateboarding is going to help him. Like he might not be the pro, or whatever but like skateboarding is gonna help this person in life you know which is the most important thing yeah totally yeah do you feel like that do you feel like skating helped helped you
1: like not be so alone (laughs) you know no because i like it i like um i get really drained when i'm around a lot of no like don't get me wrong like when i was younger and like having a session where there's like 20 local homies there and like it was so much fun like but I think skating helped me more I don't I don't know how skating helped me. Like my first instinct is to say that skating helped like my career path and like provide a livelihood for my life like um, of course I had so much fun skating and I like learned to be independent and learn. I think the main thing that with, with skating that appealed to me was that, you're responsible for your own success or failure. Whereas like with team sports, let's say you're like really good and a lot of other dudes on the team suck or whatever, you're still going to lose, right? And then you either blame you want to blame them or when they when you fuck up, they want to blame you. But with skateboarding, it's like I either succeed or fail and it's all up to me. And I think that was really important for me as I transitioned out of like little league sports, like that was one of the important elements of it is like, I'm going to sit there in my own head and figure out this trick until I succeed. And it doesn't matter that my homies over there skating a bench with the other homies, I'm stuck over here right now, trying to like figure out a Nolly backside heel, like, you know, and then I'll go over there and join them when it's time and like shred the bench or whatever, you know? um that was I think something really important to me to do it on my own and not have to rely I'm not a good team player let's just put it that way (laughs) and so skateboarding was really good for me in that way yeah Uh, it taught me how to it taught me how to capitalize on my flaw that I wasn't a team player you know what I mean because to me not being able to be a team player or being a little antisocial or awkward or shy can be a huge deficit in life. So I think skateboarding taught me to be able to succeed on my own, um, and not need other people. Whereas what you're talking about skateboarding for a lot of people, probably more people is about unity and bringing people together. I think I had lots of friends and amazing times, but the actual act of skateboarding taught me how to succeed on my own, you know? It wasn't very often that somebody's like really taught me a trick, you know, like it was just trial and error in my head. And someone would be like, you need to lean back more. You need to turn your shoulders more. But I don't even know that I would listen. I would try it or whatever, but you just have to learn it your own way, you know? Yeah. And that- I think that was the biggest thing for skateboarding was that it wasn't like community or, or meeting friends. It was It was just learning to succeed on my own.
0: That's the advantage that skateboarding has over conventional sports is definitely that you can do it by yourself or you can choose to have a team. You don't have to be on a team and you can just fucking sit there and bang your head over the wall if you want until you figure it out for your fucking self. That grit, that's like grit you get. I'm Clint Clint Eastwood and that is
1: grit. Yeah. yeah. It was was cool. I've never really thought about it until right now, but I would say that that's probably the thing. Yeah,
0: it helped me in that sense, too, because I, when I was younger, I had a bunch of emotional issues, and I used to kind of, like, get mad with people in my peer group just because, like, I had heavy shit on my mind all the time, and they were kind of careless because they didn't have to, like, worry about shit that I was worrying about, so, like, I would kind of get, like, pissed off at them, you know, and like, yeah. which was wrong, I think, at the time, but but skating helped me be, like, work through that because I could just sit there yeah. by myself and try to figure out the puzzle until I figured it out, or like humbled myself, yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> uh oh.
0: Nice. Hell of a Hold on. Is that a bark or like a howl? It's a howl. Oh. Me and my dogs do that all the time.
1: What hey. a wagon. Are, you, are you done? Stop it! What's
0: her problem? What's her problem, though? She's just
1: she's tired of not having attention
0: yeah i get
1: that time too (laughs) that's awesome i love my dogs yeah so once once or twice a day we get a 30 second performance from her like that (laughs) that was beautiful i I just let it ride once she gets out of her system she's cool
0: oh yeah definitely my dog Elwood's the opposite. He barks aggressively when it's time for food. He yells at my lady because she's the one who like cooks her food and prepares it. And when he's like, Old man Elwood, that's his name, old man Elwood. And he's on a schedule. And if it's not fucking ready, he just
1: yells at us. He's like rawr,
0: rawr, And you're like, Elwood, we're fucking trying here. Is yeah, she's not
1: she's not that strict really with like because i have like a nighttime schedule i'm like pretty nocturnal yeah and so we're not too regimented as far as sleep or food it's uh it's pretty free she must get so many kisses dude i would just kiss her face all it the gets time a lot of attention not just yeah. from me but when we walk downtown by the beach and stuff every day I'm like yep. Yeah.
0: is that her teddy bear back there
1: yeah that that's koala that's her koala
0: koala is a good one. I don't think Elwood's ever had a koala. He's had a bunch of squirrels and some Foxies and stuff like that, but yeah. No Australian animals might have to do it now.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I, um, I think, I think for me skateboarding was about developing a skill and like, and my life's still like that. It's like, I work for two weeks on one article, you know, the same way you work for, hmm. Could be two hours or two months on a trick, you know? Like just like this one task and and doing it on my own without any help. And (laughs) that's kind of I think what I've what I extracted most out of skateboarding. And my career is that way too. It's still very similar. I don't work in big groups. I don't have big work sessions, you know, where I'm like working with lots of people. It's like I'm doing it alone and then every once in a while I'm like working with one person and that's kind of how my skateboarding was, <laughs> you know, that's crazy that it
0: reflects it. It's like kind yeah. of similar. That's cool though. That's good. That's good. Skating gave you that, uh, that foundation to like work with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> um, I'm kind of, I'm jealous of the fact that you, uh, are writing a book or want to, or going to start one. Cause that's awesome. I always think about that. I'm not like, I've written some stuff, but like my spelling's garbage at times nice. and like i need to learn to edit my writing a lot more because i know that's a huge part of writing is just writing a shit ton and then just scrapping so much of it until you can crack yeah. it down uh and i imagine like trying to figure out the structure of a book and just like stick to it seems to me i like reading the books i've been reading a lot
1: so yeah um i've right- talked about writing a book for quite some time it- To the point where i feel like i'm crying wolf but (laughs) um no i kind of had this little breakthrough not too long ago where i realized i had a the husband of a friend of mine in jersey i realized he like hit me up on instagram one day and i looked at his profile because i'm more friends with his wife not him and i looked at his profile i'm like oh fuck he's a book agent and i just randomly was like what's it like out there trying to get a book published today like I worked, I was a book editor. I worked in publishing, but that was in 2001, you know? Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, you know, not too much has changed. There's just more on the digital front. And when I told him the idea I had for the book and sent him some sample chapters, he was more into it than I thought. Like, and then he's like, you should do this. I could sell this. And so now I'm like, okay. Like one, Hey, She's communicating, bro. So now I'm like, okay, this is like another dream come true bucket list thing. And it's falling onto my lap that people want it. Like an actual publisher might want it. I got to figure out time and how to make this thing work. Like there's no other, there's no other answer other than that, you know? Dude, bucket
0: list for sure. Do it. Like I said,
1: I'm like finishing up one film with Ty, probably going to start another. I got this podcast launching for USA skateboarding. That's like really just my show, but USA skateboarding is, you know, helping me produce it and fund it. And then, you know, my day jobs and now it's like a book. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm still out here like a regular person trying to handle my taxes and fucking, <laughs> you know what I mean? I totally I, get it too. So yes, I, it's not a matter of if, it's just when with the book, you know, and I want to start it. I'm hoping I can start it this winter. I'm actually going back to Jersey in. I've got a long trip to Jersey scheduled in February to go back and like sit down with some of the people I used to work with. The books, the books about this time I, I spent working in a bagel bakery in Jersey. It's not like a memoir of my life. It's not a novel it's like a memoir of this like one period of my life with these crazy people that I worked with. Whoa. It was that interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) It was really, really, uh, what's the word dysfunctional fucked up. It's, it's not going to be a politically correct book. It's gnarly. It'll be offensive. It'll be gnarly. Um, but, but entertaining, I think, you know? Oh Um, yeah. Oh yeah. but I'm going back to Jersey to spend some time with people I used to work with people who are still alive that I used to work with and, um, start the process of, I mean, I, I have the book kind of written in my head, but spending time with these people, I haven't seen them in so long. And it'll bring up a lot of stuff that I forgot and like funny details and stories and anecdotes that'll go in the book.
0: Oh yeah. The feelings will come flushing back once you hang yeah. out again. dude. So
1: yeah. So I want to go sit and hang out with those dudes and take them out for beers and do the things we used to do when we were working at the bakery, you know, dude,
0: Jersey bakery sounds awesome.
1: <laughs> it was a kosher bagel bakery, like a Jewish <laughs> bagel bakery. It was, That's so even
0: better.
1: it was so fucked <laughs> up like my if my parents knew what was going on there i wouldn't have been allowed to work there i worked there from like age 15 to 21 or something 14 to 21 uh, it's yeah you know the place should have been shut down it should have never been operational uh everybody there was like fucked up on drugs dealing drugs like uh you know i don't want to give too much away but just the gnarliest people in situations. And I was just this little like Catholic school boy who just moved to a new town, and, like little white boy, like coming from this like religious family, like going into this bakery full of like junkies and fucking ex-convicts and just oh, yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy shit. Oh,
0: I can relate. I grew up in like trailer parks and projects. Yeah, and exactly. Similar characters and just like trying to survive and navigate.
1: In that. Yeah, and I I spent eight years there, and I had a lot of trouble with my own family. And the the sort of gist of the one of the sort of plots of the book is that they sort of became my family, the way skateboarding becomes people's family, you know. Yeah. And uh but you know the juxtaposition of how unlikely they were to to be like people that would take me in it's like when you see those videos on the internet that like a a baby deer's lost its mom so like <laughs> a dog becomes like the guardian of like a deer or vice versa like that's what it was like it's just the most insane matchup and looking back on it that job was one of the like most important experiences of my life even wow. though when i was there i was just dying to get out of there you know and have a real
0: a real career you know jersey's such a unique place dude
1: it's like there's nowhere else on the planet quite
0: like Jersey, dude. i know it's
1: interesting because it ends up in a lot of movies and so there's so much like yeah it's it's almost like um it's not it's like florida but not like florida you know what i mean like (laughs) like you know florida's like crazy and out there Jersey because because jersey's closer to new york city and all that i think it's like a little more refined there's a little more like culture and it's not as like hillbilly redneck or something but (laughs) but yeah i don't know it's it's wild there man yeah it has a lot of history i just think a lot of things come out of there because of its location you know yeah it's definitely
0: one of a kind the people i meet from jersey are fucking unique special people for sure yeah um or oh um are you still i don't know. this i don't know if this is inappropriate but are you still uh into the catholic thing or no
1: oh no 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 i wasn't into it when i was being forced into it you know like uh, okay i went to catholic grade school and it was a nightmare and uh you know like abusive nuns and teachers and just being forced to go to church all the time i was miserable you know And, uh, even after that, once I was in high school, my mom made me go to church every Sunday still until once I got my driver's license and a job, well, I got a job way before I got my driver's license, but part of my motivation for getting a job was if I could, I knew I could get out of going to church. Like, like when I worked at the bakery on Sundays, I didn't have to go to church. So I was like, fuck it. Like I'm making money and I'm getting out of church, you know? And then my mom stopped making me go to church when I got my driver's license. So when I turned 17, she like, let me go, but I was pretty much getting dragged to church like every Sunday and every holiday until I was 17, unless I was working.
0: Yeah. How'd you, how'd you weather, um, this whole crazy pandemic stuff in California? (laughs) I mean, I loved
1: it again. Like I'm so good at being alone. I, I, the pandemic actually worked to my advantage with all these projects I'm talking about and just my mental health, you know? Yeah. Going to, you know, I started therapy again, like in early 2019. And that's when I got my autism diagnosis and uh, PTSD and depression. And I started really working, putting the pieces together, like knowing that information and um, really doing a lot of work in therapy and like finally taking some medication for the first time. So, Uh, I was having a phase like, like I told you, after weekend buzz, and like I was hopping around the skate industry, not as stable. I had a little bit of a rough patch, and then everything started falling back into place and getting really good. Like in 2019, the Olympics job, the project would tie, like my own mental health, and the, the autism diagnosis was like an amazing situation. And then getting the dog was an amazing thing, and you know. Um, it was a cool reboot for me, but I had some rough years, like, you know, um, employment wise, and then just mental health wise, I was, I started getting in like 2017, 18, I noticed I was getting something was starting to get off. I was like angrier, more depressed than normal. Like I knew I had those issues my whole life, but stuff started feeling like it could take a bad turn. So I, stop going out to bars and stuff as much like tone down. Like I don't have a drinking problem or anything, but it's just, sometimes there's just negative energy to that lifestyle of being like in bars and drunk and yeah, got into therapy and did that. So the pandemic life was actually really good for me. Cause I got a lot of time alone, a lot of time to be productive and not be around all these outside triggers that were challenging for me, have always been challenging for me, you know? Yeah. And I can explain that all now that I've been diagnosed, but I never used to know what the deal was before that, you know?
0: Yeah, because and- because when you're, like, in it, it's hard to acknowledge that it's a problem and it's just not normal life, you know? Like, you, especially if you've never been diagnosed with any of that stuff, you it's just your normal life, so you're unaware. You're like, there's highs and lows. And the, yeah, I there's used- so many things. I used to have a lot of lows like when I was younger and it was so common that I like didn't realize I shouldn't have so many lows, you know, (laughs) till someone tells
1: you, (laughs) Yeah, like, why am I always so angry? Why now I understand the difference between like a depressive episode versus something that triggers my autism or is a result of my autism or is like a PTSD thing. And I can, I can address those and be like, okay, like, I'm having a depression moment. I just need to be ready for the next like three or five days that maybe I'm going to be like really lethargic, really like unproductive and don't beat myself up for it. Right? Like just do the best you can. Cause sometimes when you like, when, when you have like a depression incident, you, you think it's like the end of the world. You're like, this is horrible you don't realize that it's just now I know like as bad as I feel, this is going to be gone in like two to five days. Right.
0: And, and if you, be, if you know that that's half the
1: battle. Yeah. You're weathering, you, the, you weather the storm, right. You don't perpetuate and, it longer. Cause you're aware. Yeah. Yeah. And then like with, you know, like for example, like I have a lot of really bad dreams and those are like more PTSD related. Right. So it's like, okay, I wake up, I'm not like wondering anymore. Like, why do I keep having this dream? It's like, okay, that was that I can like wake up and sort of maybe dismiss it easier and like get about go about my day or, or like spending a lot of time doing this is like a trigger, you know, sitting at a cafe all day. I used to do that. I would sit at the cafe and work all day. I didn't realize all the noise was actually like stressing me out because I have some sensory stuff related to the autism, you know, Ah. so Now that I know my triggers and what to avoid and how long a depressive episode lasts and I'm on some medication, like things have gotten so much better just because I can identify and understand it all. And I can avoid things that will make it worse, you know? Yeah. And it's easier for me to go like, you know what? Go down to the beach, take two hours away from your work and what needs to be done and just go fucking have a cup of tea and run around with the dog and reboot because... Otherwise you're going to sit at the computer stressed all day and be unproductive. Like, like I've just learned all these techniques to avoid all these things that are, are negative, you know, whether it's anger or unproductiveness or stress or whatever. So pandemic has been really fucking good for me. And I, I feel guilty saying that because I know so many people are the opposite of me they're going to therapy because of the pandemic because they haven't been around people. And I'm like thriving, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember
1: getting depressed when things started opening up again.
0: <laughs> I kind of
1: get it. <laughs> I would go downtown into Laguna and then all of a sudden it was like crowded and I was like, fuck, like there's more people around and I can't let my dog off the leash on the beach. Cause people get mad. You know, like I, I got bummed when things started opening up.
0: it's crazy because like there's like patterns that are passed on to us and we're unaware that we're acting out these patterns you know like I dealt a lot with that religion actually helped me I'm not religious or anything but I love the stories in the bible and I listen to Mm -hmm. like I I, I listen to it a
1: lot it helped me with the positivity thing but like the um, bible you gotta think about it the bible is like the greatest book ever written (laughs) whether you believe in the religion part of it or not it's the most popular book in the on the planet in all of history and it's still like i i reference like i just like the bible for the work that it is you know what i mean so like in my writing a lot of times i'll i'll like flip through the bible and or think of something from catholic school and be like how can i apply this to my story not necessarily in a religious way but it's just like it could be in a sort of dark way. It could be, but I mean, you don't have to be religious to even enjoy the Bible as like a work of art, you know? So true. So true. Yeah. It's like anything else you could, you could extract a quote from fight club and be really motivated and you can extract a quote from a Tarantino film or something or from Gary Vaynerchuk or you can and you can also extract something from the bible and be motivated or inspired it's it's just art to me you know
0: yeah it's a lot of stories that people held so closely that they managed to like cobble it together and carry it forward and like it's like information and data on the human experience those stories are just and it's edited by it's like insane that it has a narrative story to it and it's all come together from multiple sources it's insane but it it helps like it helped me a lot dealing with the depths of life you know like and understanding the highs and the lows of life and the the stories um yeah uh it's it's good that uh you're self-aware enough to and you're willing to get help and be able to see that these are things like for me it's been a learning process for sure (laughs) figuring out what my issues are you know like we have these patterns that are passed on to us sometimes that we're unaware of or we pick up, you know. For me, a lot of my mom. Oh are you still there? I don't hear your audio. Think you have to find your audio. Hey. There you are. Yeah, for me, like yeah, just, I... just growing up with my mom and like having to learn a lot about adult shit as a little kid. Uh, The Bible put it into context to me sometimes where I was like, oh, I see where she's going wrong or the issues she has, you know, and like it kind of helped me like realize that. And then I knew I had the burden of like my mom raised me, you know, so I was like, oh, I have these patterns and bad habits that I learned from her, you know, and now I'm dealing with it like as an adult and I'm not just I'm not fully aware of it. I'm like, oh, I have these days that are horrible. And it's like, oh, I watched my mom do that or, you know, like, oh, yeah, (laughs) putting it together is hard sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in therapy because, well, I'm also a big believer in, like, people slowing their roll on fucking having kids if they're not going to be good parents. (laughs) That's the first thing. I think it's out of control how many people have kids that are just going to mess them up and make more disaster of the human beings but yeah um um, that's why i'm a big believer in therapy and stuff because and it doesn't necessarily have to be the therapy of like going to a therapist the way i do i mean there's other forms of it but maybe it's meditation i i don't know but i'm a big fan of self-improvement and like not bullshit self-improvement like real self-improvement like you know like doing the work and like trying to understand and fix all this shit in your head that makes you anything but happy and then could bleed into other people like you know you know stuff that would make other people bummed out you know what i mean like you got to fix yourself so you can be good for other people is what i'm saying and yeah fully and i think people i wish people would think of that before having kids or before getting married because I feel you know maybe this seems kind of grim and negative but I I look around and I see a lot of people just fucking other people up. <laughs> you know, they you know I'm I'm the product of parents who didn't really communicate with me too much, you know. You're the product of your mom and how she was or you know I, or were the product of like divorced parents or people who never had a father. Like I wish people would think about this stuff before they had kids more, you know, like make sure you're solid, like, you know, but whatever, you know, you can't, you can't sit there and like control population control, you know, like, but it's like I, a, ba-
0: I, it's a battle between your heart and your mind, you know, <laughs> sometimes yeah, I, your heart's driving and sometimes your mind's driving. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it depends. I, I do wish everybody was a little more together. So they weren't messing each other up, you know? Yeah. 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 That's hard, man. It's, it takes time. My, like,
0: I love my mom to death, but she had like a uh, develop developmental issues and was narcissistic and like, she had a lot of issues and then like she did drugs and she and it wasn't like all her fault like she had things that happened to her that justified these things and you know you build these patterns and habits and you're unaware or you think you're powerless and then you're just like playing out these fucking dramas that don't need to be played out and then they pass on to the next if you don't resolve them in your lifetime
1: it's just this gross cycle you know and the only way is to stop it Is to either not have kids or to make sure that you're really solid and you figure your own shit out before you either get married or have kids or, you know, have a negative impact on someone else's life that'll be permanent for their whole life, you know. Yeah, if you're going to create life. I mean, that's why I'm not married or a parent. I just have never felt like I was capable of being a good husband or a good father. And. As time goes on, I mean, I'm getting older, so who knows if I'll ever have kids or whatever, but as time goes on, I do feel way more capable and better, you know, like if someone wanted to have a kid now that it's not like my big, I I don't really want children, but if, if I was with someone and in love with them and they wanted to have a kid, I'd be like, I can handle this now. You know, I'm 46, I've gotten through my shit, but even five years ago, I wouldn't have made a good dad you know and i just i'm not saying i'm right but i just wish people thought about it more before just like popping out kids and being like we'll make it work we'll figure it out you know yeah that's how you end up with mess a lot of messy stuff you know
0: yeah yeah no agreed fully agreed sometimes you have to be like um you have to create your life before you create a life, you know? And then that helps you because once you, you have get... have to be the
1: best version of yourself, you
0: know? Yeah, once you realize you have sovereignty and power of your own life and can kind of manage that, then to create a life is less yeah. scary. Sometimes it works the opposite way, though, too. Like, people just create life and then it turns something on in them and it makes them, a, them rise to their better self. That's not always yeah. the case, but...
1: No, yeah, I mean, there are definitely... <laughs> I don't want to say there's benefits to having a hard life, but there's definitely plenty of examples out there of people who have created or become great, you know, created greatness or become great because they've had crazy lives, you know? Oh yeah. Some of the most interesting people have. But also they're still tortured inside, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know. I've learned
0: about that, letting that go. I used to torture myself all the time because it's just like, (laughs) Patterns play out, you know. You can't. You're not aware. You're like, oh, I'm just torturing myself, and then you yeah. realize it, and you're like, I wasted so much time just fucking creating this hell
1: for myself. Yeah, I'm glad that uh <clears throat> I'm glad that I'm finally figuring it out. I mean, I'm still in therapy every week. You know, it's been like I think that's normal, though,
0: Rob. I think that's like good for people. I think everyone. Life is so crazy that we should all be in some form of therapy. Just looking at fucking. I love it. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: Because I'm like, it's like the older you, what's the saying? It's like the more you know, the more you don't know. Like looking at the world as you get older, you're like, I've lived through the fucking wars. We've lived through pandemics. We've li- lived, it's like the shit starts piling up and you're like, Shit makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Who's in charge? Are these people like where life is so insane? And now we see it from every angle talking about going back full circle to the media. It's like now everyone's connected to this Internet and we're hearing more expression and angles and perspectives from anybody and everyone. And even people that maybe shouldn't be connected to some degree because they're just like destructive. It's like you see the whole spectrum of life now. It's like a lot. I feel, I think about kids a lot because I'm like, wow, they're like coming into this and they're getting
1: the full ride so fast. It's insane.
0: It's so insane.
1: Something I've been thinking a lot about lately is like, especially within skateboarding, there's all these mental health discussions now, but we're actually kind of losing more people than ever. you You know, I think suicide and like a lot of mental health issues, like we lost Ben Ramers, we lost Henry Gartland, you know, other people might be turning to drugs and like not purposely killing themselves, but putting themselves in situations because of their mental health that, and, you know, that's kind of the point of this new show I'm doing actually is the new show isn't going to be weekend buzz. It's not going to be sitting there drinking, like having a good time. Like that's kind of, to me that's already been done and people are doing it now you know like for me I want to do something that sits and talks about these difficult things that everyone's been through and you know share these stories so that people watching could be like oh you know I felt that way I lost my brother or I I'm trans and and I had a hard time with it and my parents disowned me like the point of this show is to sort of discuss pretty heavy topics and people like surviving, you know, like, so the first episode is, um, I'm hoping it's going to drop next week, but it's with, um, a skater that nobody really knows. Her name's, uh, Richie Batris, and she's a trans woman. I think I'm saying this right. Um, wait so she was a guy and she transitioned to a woman correct a skater yes. yes 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 and and she's still transitioning like it's a it's a it's a journey you know it's different for everyone but um so she contacted us at usa skateboarding before our national championships this year the olympic qualifiers and she was like can i enter in the women's and we were like wow this is different you know this we haven't seen this before and um so josh friedberg who's runs the organization had to like contact the olympics like the head of the ioc and be like what are the rules and uh in the meantime the deadline was approaching so i just told her i said dude you should just enter like you know what i mean like do i hate to like tell you to do something that might not work out but i think you should enter i think it's awesome that you want to try and she um she did her video submission um qualified first in the open qualifier and then was disqualified because to compete as a woman or a man you need a certain testosterone level according to the olympic rules so we found that out after she did her submission and qualified so her her run ended up not counting and so Nobody knows her, but the, the idea was like, let's have this discussion, whether you agree, whether you think she should have been able to compete or think she shouldn't be able to compete or that there needs to be a new trans category or whatever, right? Whatever you think, like, let's hear her story and about it. And I think it's a story that there's a lot of people out there in the world now who will it'll be comforting and cool to hear it you know she talks about you know going all the way back to childhood like dressing up in her mom's clothes and painting her nails and her parents getting mad and you know all this crazy stuff all the way till now where she's she's transitioning further into being a woman you know but still skating still ripping like and I've got a lot of ideas for guests and guests lined up that have these crazy stories. It's not going to be about like shitting your pants in the tour van, like weekend buzz, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a totally different direction. One-on-one, like serious conversations focused on, you know, certain struggles or accomplishments or elements of a person's life, you know? Yeah. Maybe, think... maybe it's an overcoming addiction. Maybe it's coming out of the closet. Maybe it's losing, you know, maybe it was losing like a really close loved one that like fucked your whole life up, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And I want it to be this, like, it's not just me going like, let's talk about mental health. It's like, here's all these situations that have a tremendous impact on like our own well-being that are going on in the world. And, and if we can all be open and share stories, maybe it'll be helpful, you know, on a level of like, you're not alone or this is how they dealt with it or they they had a rough childhood but they came out okay and they succeeded like i feel like it's mental health related without being like check in on your friends and do, you have to do this it's you know no so I, I, I i think it's awesome want to make a focus on a focus on talking and sharing stories and 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 showing how everyone's enduring and dealing with this shit that everybody deals with you know
0: yeah i i i admire it i think it's an awesome idea and like when i was growing up i like that's what i was searching for was that show or like someone to talk to about heavy topics and subjects because i remember i was saying earlier like how i used to get mad at like my peers in school and stuff because i was dealing with adult shit and they were just being kids you know they had the freedom to just be careless kind of you know With their thoughts and their words and sometimes how they act. And I always felt this like heavy weight of like all the shit I was carrying with me and I didn't want to like – I knew I could influence people in a bad way. Like I knew I could be a negative influence because I watched like people I cared about do that, you know? So it's hard to – like it would be – it would have been amazing to me, which it was like – you guys help me out a lot, to be honest. Like a lot of the journalists and skateboarding, like that like listen to my story and let me talk to them about it and stuff. That shit fucking helped me out so much. Cause you just carry this stuff around and it's like sometimes sometimes people don't aren't capable of having the conversation because it's too heavy to like it makes them uncomfortable, you know? But like to yeah. someone someone that's carrying a bunch of weight to be able to talk with someone that can like listen to and express it and understand and that comforting place is like it's good for people you know and especially just dealing with life and like the way the shit that we've all been through (laughs) together collectively the change that we're going through too at the pace that we're going through right now like it's good to have a platform or to create a show where that's okay to talk about and it's not like they have to come on and get wasted and just talk about Dick jokes all the time. That's fun too. But like it's to have that balance.
1: That's my point is like maybe it's not going to be for everyone, but (laughs) this this is like a heavy show. It's not going to be it. That's the intent, you know. And it's my other thing is like I was talking about earlier how weekend buzz brought on people who were like behind the scenes. I'm almost taking this a step further. Like my first guest is somebody nobody knows she's not even in the industry she's just a skater you know what i mean yeah like there's gonna i talked to some pros who will be on i've talked to some industry people who will be on but i'm not scared to have essentially someone nobody knows who has an interesting story and i'm hoping that that brings a new dynamic to the whole world of what we're doing is like here's what a lot of people would just call like a quote-unquote nobody like nobody knows who you are Not a nobody is in they don't have any value, but just like in the world of skateboarding, no one knows who you are ever heard of you. And, but they have a story that's compelling and that's important, you know? So, um, I, it's a little risky. I think like my first episodes with someone, no one ever heard of, (laughs) but the story is important. Like she could have qualified for the Olympics if her testosterone level were lower, you know? Yeah. And she's still on that journey to, to lower her testosterone. And, you know, maybe she's going to try to compete in 2022 through the net. you know, there's no Olympics in 22, but you, we still have a contest series and you could get on the team or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to follow her journey. I, in my opinion, after people see the episode. Yeah, man, that's cool. There's like the skate journey and the, and the um, trans journey, like, you know, for her. And she's awesome with the best time talking.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited. Do you have a name picked
1: for the show? Um, I do. I'm okay not having everything set in stone from the start. But right now, I think it's just going to be called With Robert Brink.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> so it like would be
1: that. Anthony Shetler with Robert Brink. You know uh, whoever the guest is, the name comes first.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, if you ever need, <laughs> if yeah, you, if you ever need uh, someone who's uh been through the ringer, I'll talk.
1: Yeah, and we're trying to do them. We're going to try to do them all in person on camera, but you know the way the world is right now, some of them, I don't want to limit it to that format. Maybe some will be on zoom. I, I I just don't know. i I don't like setting these rigid guidelines right away. I like I like it evolving. I think the story is what's important, not how it, not how it gets out or how it looks.
0: Um, totally. So, yeah, I think <laughs> that if you do limit yourself to, if you did that, you would limit the stories you could get. So it's good to keep it flexible for sure. And nowadays you don't have to, you can be flexible, you know, you don't yeah. have to sick, man. Um, I think we covered it, man. Is there anything else? Did you have a question for me? <laughs> like a closing <laughs> question for me, dude. <laughs> Oh, um, do you like my artwork it's not my i artwork, was just gonna right?
1: <laughs> it's very um bright and bright and colorful and sunny i like sunflowers yeah my and friend, also man. you're looking good man you got the beard going oh dude i'm glad you mentioned that because i have a little weight
0: Yeah, I was going to tell you, I was like, I'm going full like New England, like fisherman with the beard and I got some grays, grays in here. Look at my gray, dude. I'm like almost all gray. It looks good on you. I didn't even like, didn't even bat an eye about it.
1: You got to learn to just own it. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't try to hide it. You got to own it with any physical feature that's, you know, losing hair, going gray. You got to own it. I'm lucky, dude. I still have my hair. I am so blessed to have my hair at my age. Like,
0: lucky, lucky. I literally
1: yeah. look in the mirror every day and I'm like, <laughs> I'm so blessed. <laughs> at 46, I have, have some hair left. I, no um, offense. No, no, no. I um, I got all the gray.
0: Yeah, but it's fine. I don't mind because uh, my father was like, he had just the side hair, you know, like the Homer oh, Simpson. Yeah, yeah. So like, and my father passed when I was 12. So it's like, as I get older, I'm like i'm like looking at photos of him and i'm like i'm seeing him again you know so it's kind of bittersweet (laughs) like it's kind of like makes me proud of it i'm not even bummed
1: no Um, you're you're running it good though like instead of trying to like save it you're shaving it and you're it looks good you got you look good thank you appreciate that
0: (laughs) Uh, um you know what i'm doing this weekend here's my list here's what i'm doing friday i'm picking up the van i rented uh and then i'm inviting all these groms that i do skateboard lessons with and they're coming to my house their parents are going to drop them off and they're getting in the van and we're driving three hours to maine to oh, um, my favorite place yeah you like maine are you joking
1: no i love maine yeah i Maine's i go classic. almost every year well
0: whereabouts just curious um
1: i usually spend my time in booth bay like the bath area okay that's sick yeah so what are you doing there's actually a an indoor skate park in bath there is i knew that actually um yeah it's like a youth center too like like they have like it's not just for skateboarding like any kid can go there and hang out and they have like ping pong and games and and then there's the skate park and they have like a little skate shop but it's pretty interesting concept actually it's like a youth center for kids who are maybe like running away or need somewhere to stay or hang out during the day like That's you might rad. you might actually like it might actually be a good place for you to visit yeah i think i i've been trying to get there for a while i, I forget like, the name of it but it's in bath i i stopped there the last time i was
0: there i'll look it up for sure you know who lives in maine now is uh brandon westgate he moved to maine he's in maine yeah, he dude, he sold his cranberry bog and moved wow. to Maine.
1: Bought a new That's house. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I never pictured him as a mainer,
1: but he's. So full then line. we're gonna get footage from May to October from him, because <laughs> <laughs> it's this so a long true. winter up there, man. Because like, oh, yeah. I usually go every October for my birthday, and everything shuts down after Columbus Day, or, mm-hmm. uh, I think we've renamed it now. It's like Indigenous People's Day or something which is cool. But yeah, like, like the second week of October, everything shuts down Yeah, and it's starting to get really cold at night. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. I always think about if I lived there skating good yeah. for him, man. I love it there. I want to own a house there so bad. All my family moved
0: to Maine. My Nana's had a house there. And then like all my cousins and my sister, they all just like moved to Maine. It's like the to get away. I think
1: they want to live on it's May beautiful time. it's yeah. like untapped it's everything looks like a watercolor painting it's just like the people are cool too it's like they're like socially good people like they're socially conscious I feel like they're not like assholes you know they care about the environment people are friendly you know like, I, I love them. they like blueberries you know yeah. maple syrup and lobsters and blueberries I'm um, so but yeah, I I'm love ga- it.
0: I'm gathering some Groms, and there's a skate shop called Motion in Old Orchard Beach, uh, Maine. And they have a skate park there, and they're doing a fundraiser. And all these kids that I do skateboard lessons with, um, and some of their parents are rolling with us too. And we're just gonna, I'm basically just renting a van get in there drive three hours show up at the skate park there's going to be live music they have a full band that plays at the top of the bowl and then they set up a graffiti wall so kids can like practice their art and then there's a sick park and we do skate jams and then we're just going to three hour drive back so in one day on saturday it's just going to oh, be a wow. full day yeah i'm so excited because like my favorite skater nowadays is uh chloe chloe Antonoli, and she's like a she just turned 13 and, um, I give her boards and clothes and stuff with all I need. And, uh, I don't know. It's like our first road trip together. So I'm pretty juicy. Pretty juicy. Yeah. Out.
1: I actually, I found another park, you know, I always will, when I go on these road trips, I always sort of, you know, I'm always by myself with the dog, but I'll always like find a little skate park or look for a skate shop. And I found like a outdoor concrete park in a, like a little park in Portland too, I think. Yeah, I've um, seen footage of that one. It's I mean, it's not, it's it's actually it's pretty big, actually, but
0: not they have like a old. legit park in Portland now, I think, too. Like a oh, they do? yeah, I'm pretty sure it's,
1: there's a Portland
0: park that we've been to. Yeah. But I know there's a DIY.
1: Oh yeah, right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's fun. I'm jealous. This was yeah. the first year I skipped Maine in like five or six years. Just like the Olympics wore me out. I, it was, I was gone for like a lot, like three and a half weeks in Tokyo during a quarantine. Well, you actually went. Yeah, I was there. Whoa. So hey, like yeah. when I got home, I was like in the middle of moving from one apartment to another in Laguna after the Olympics. And I was just be I'm like, dude, no more traveling this year. I need to chill. How was that uh, as an experience?
0: It was a crazy was experience. No crowd, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. Like it's not the usual Olympic experience, but obviously we had COVID and I had to stay in a hotel for the most time. Like there was a strict quarantine there in Tokyo, you know? So I basically like ate dinner in the hotel every day. And then like, you couldn't go out and have like sushi somewhere or anything like just eating at the hotel restaurant for like three weeks straight well, in between events. Yeah. But, but being at the venue was really cool. I mean, It was empty. There was no crowd. It was missing that energy, and it was really hot. It was, like, 95, 97 degrees every day with, like, a lot of humidity. Um, Not, like, California hot, you know? Like Yeah. So I think that fucked up some of the skaters who weren't used to it. But it was still cool. It was kind of just like watching, like, a street league or something, you know? Like, same format, like, pretty mellow and organized. Like, I didn't feel a lot of, like, Olympic olympic craziness like all the things that people were like thinking is gonna quote unquote ruin skateboarding you know it was just like being there was like the same as being somewhere else like like a bunch of industry homies the skaters the format it's just that there was no crowd you know yeah it was cool it was it was an amazing experience to be in the olympic village and like see all the athletes and everything happening like i think paris paris is in 2024 hopefully things will be back to normal and i'll be able to experience like a actual olympics like and in a sort of normal sense plus i love paris that'll be sick but yeah not that far away that's
0: awesome that's so wild man well sick man well rob yeah thanks for uh coming on the show again right
1: yeah and thanks for asking and um Feel free to edit out the boring parts. We talked for quite a while. Never Cut happening. Never happening, dude. You just, you just let it run. You just post it. So I, it's
0: uncut. My shows are uncut. Very seldom do I edit anything. And it's because people, uh, people can get to it when they want. And if they get bored, feel free to change. I don't care. Yeah, to okay. me, this whole conversation was exactly what I wanted and needed at the time. Oh, That's why I reached out. I was like, I need to talk to a friend and someone who can hey, cover... Man cover all topics that. yeah no worries man and you you're like good at conversations you know when to listen and when to talk and um i appreciate it so
1: yeah well hit me up anytime
0: i'm gonna fit so, you in the rotation we'll have to, to be here going. or in private yeah 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 for sure man thanks again rob yeah good one